Welcome to Texas Franchise Radio, where your hosts, Josh Cherry and Robbie Marlowe, bring you all things franchising in the Texas market. Franchising is one of three growth strategies businesses can use to expand and capture market share. Effective when done right. But there's a lot to this dynamic business model. Learn from others in the industry as we bring on all levels of franchise operators and experts. Texas Franchise Radio. You ready? Let's go. Uh, Robbie and Josh going live and it's time to hit the road. You were tuned in to Texas Franchise Radio. Oh, you're in the business. Well, this is what you need. Repping Texas, they professionals up in the industry. What we talking about? We talking business models, investing franchises. We going full throttle. Learn about the industry. I know you got the questions. We're trying to help you grow and take it. What's up, guys? Welcome back. Welcome back to Texas Franchise Radio. We got a good show planned for you here today. Uh, we got our our co-host. He's uh he's on the struggle bus, but he's here with us, Mr. Robbie Marlowe. Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> Welcome, Robbie. <laughs> Not feeling the best, but no. my, my man said he loves Conroe, Texas, and he's coming love to support. So, love us so much. I got to come to the show today <laughs> and make sure I I did the show. We also got a, a good friend of ours, uh, Sean Duffy from Spirit of Texas Bank. Sean, welcome to the show, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, again, the purpose of Texas Franchise Radio is really to uh, educate, uh, advocate, and bring awareness to franchising here in the local Texas market or anywhere. Uh, franchising is growing, and it, it's growing astronomically right now, and there's a lot of reasons for that, and we're going we're gonna to really dive into why franchising is, is having the growth it is right now where it's heading in the next 10 years. And so because of that, I know there's got to be a lot of people that are listening to the show, uh, both both of them. I'll go ahead and throw the joke out early. <laughs> yeah. I, I know that both – there's got to be a lot of questions, right? Like there's there's been a lot of cultural shifts as we go from baby boomers to Gen X uh, to millennials. There's There's been a big culture shift in people wanting to work for themselves. And I, I think that has a lot to do with the growth of franchising. On this show, we like to talk to three different groups, people who have a small business that potentially want to franchise it and, and make it uh, an actual offering to franchise out to other people, uh, people who are looking to buy into an existing franchise model, or people who are already in, a franchi- are already in the franchising world of some sort. So uh, one of the biggest questions, I think, one of the, the largest questions that people have when they get ready to go into a franchise is, how am I going to pay for the thing? So t- yeah. today, today we're going to... an important question. <laughs> it's, an, it's pretty important. So today we're going to really break down a lot of the things you need to know if you're in franchising, if you're looking at getting into franchising, uh, either on the franchisor side or on the franchisee side, and you're in corporate America right now and you're looking at all your options on how you can make the great escape uh, and get out of the cubicle and into, mm-hmm. the, into the work-life balance world that you're looking for, how do we, how do we get those funded? And I, I'm really glad that we've got... Sean here because Sean is uh, the banker's banker. He he knows he knows numbers and he knows funding extremely well. Uh, he's done quite a few SBA funding loans for Delta Life Fitness, as a matter of fact. So that's and, and several other franchises around the area. And how many how many different franchise systems in general do you guys fund, Sean? Oh man, uh, I don't know the exact number. Probably more than thirty, up okay. to fifty. Uh, and we lend nationally, not just in Texas, not just in Houston. But I do like the local borrowers because I can actually go see them and watch them grow and watch them be successful. Hey, Sean, out of those 30, which one's your favorite? Oh, I probably Delta Life. <laughs> <laughs> if he didn't That's say that, I was, question. I was, I was yeah. just going to cut the show off and, yeah. and kick him out. Yeah, you know, Robbie's holding a gun. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, all right, well, let's dive into the good stuff. So let's let's talk. Let's dive in here for just a minute and just talk about the franchise industry. Robbie, I know you got a lot of thoughts on it. I'm not sure how clear-headed you are yeah. uh, here today, oh, yeah. but uh, there, there's so there's 122 million adults uh, in the United States today, right? Uh, there's 20. How, how many given at any one given moment? How many people do you think are investigating franchising right now? I know you got it on your little sheets there. Uh, but what, what would you think? That, that's what I have on the sheets higher than what I would have came out of the gate with. 25 million people. Yeah, that's 25 quite a, quite a million people out of, there's only 120, again, there's only 122 million adults and there's 25 million people investigating franchises. I think for a long time, Rob, Robbie and I have been saying for a long time, like, man, we didn't know anything about this franchise world. Really? Yeah. I mean, as much as we do now and until we were in it. I think it's kind of the whole country. Like, I don't like, and we're on the front end. It's only going to get bigger and bigger. Today, there's 4,400 franchise offerings in the in North America. In North America, there's 4,400 different brands that you could join. Just 15 years ago, that number was less than half of that. Less than half of that. That's what, crazy. Like, why? Like, why is that? Like, why? Why is there? And there was 20,000 new franchises awarded. Last year, based based on the International Franchise Association, uh, 25 million people at any one given time Googling or looking up or investigating getting into a franchise system, 20,000 new franchise systems created uh, last year. What, what do you guys think? What's the reason for that? What Why the shift? I think the shift from QSR or fast food into more of a service-based franchise, you're seeing that explode right now. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, explode right now in the industry. And I, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I just literally, literally just came up with that right now when you <laughs> asked the question. So I have zero anything backing that up. So I don't know. <laughs> but that was uh, a complete guess. Here, here's some, uh, Sean, any thoughts on that? No, I think Robbie covered it. I mean, uh, there's a big growth in the boutique fitness industry too, which people are moving away from the big box gyms and they're looking for the, the smaller options yeah. that are more for their lifestyle. And cost of entry, you're probably seeing more, you know, before when you did a restaurant, you did a whole kitchen, you're talking million plus. Million bucks. Yeah. Millionaire's game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now you're seeing a lot more uh, um, offerings in that two hundred dollars to $500,000 range, which a lot of everyday Americans that worked for 10 years are, they can go to their parents and get a loan or there, there's a lot of options there in that range that if you're getting that million dollars plus game, it's yeah. hard to get into. So I know, I know, Robbie. I know me. You and I have talked about this quite a bit. But uh, baby boomers, the great, the greatest generation, <laughs> awesome generation. Uh, but they were on the back of. I mean, their parents, their parents went through the Great Depression. They, they, they. You know, their parents lived through World Wars. I mean, they were, yeah. they were built to be risk adverse. If you know. It, like in the 20s and 30s, it was hard to find a job. When when the baby boomers were growing up, if you had a good job, you won. Like that was oh, winning, yeah. you know? So Absolutely. They say that uh, in a recent study, there's only 8% of baby boomers are likely to start their own business. Only 8% of them are interested in entrepreneurship. They said only 1% would be interested in franchising. So 8% of the baby boomers interested really? in entrepreneurship, 1% interested uh, in franchising. As compared to millennials... <laughs> 70 72 percent of millennials want to own their own business in fact the study said that the majority of millennials said that having a job is what you do when you're not sure which business you want to start yet like that's yeah. that's I, mean, the <laughs> I believe it i mean i mean we are millennials and i couldn't stop thinking about it when i was a kid 
I still think about it every day. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like just how in the, the generations have changed. So baby boomers, 8% likely to start a business. Gen X guys, 34 to 50. They actually looked at it very different. I mean, the 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 uh, the baby boomers, the, the name of the game was get a really good job, try yep. to retire. It, like if you can get a really good job, get your tenure and retire with a pension at 55, you win. Right. Like yeah. nowadays, yeah. though, or even even Gen X, you know, in the age group from right at the top of us, right, like 35 to 50 Gen X, they value work life balance more than they do the security or being risk adverse. They, they would mm-hmm. rather uh, work life balance. And then the millennials, like we said, uh, those those are your, your your guys from our age on down to 22, 72 uh, percent likely to start a business. And now we're starting to see it be multi-generational as well. Uh, we've, we've had a lot of franchise consultants help us along the way, Robbie. And we had one that was, you know, one person told us one time that the worst thing you can ever do is award a franchise to somebody who the parents are awarding them to the money. And and for a long time, I never understood why that was, but in the last five years, we've seen that transition and and I don't think that's the case anymore. I think before it was kind of like the parents are pulling them to success. Back then, wanting the, it more than the exactly kid did. the wanting it more and saying, "Hey, they're, they're sitting on my couch or they're not doing anything with their <laughs> I'll life. Buy you a I'll buy you a business and please go do something." I think that's what it was. Yeah, you know, exactly twenty right. plus years ago when, but our generation is different. We're just looking for an opportunity, and that opportunity can be, "Hey, Dad, let me have a hundred grand so I can go get the funding, yeah. and this is going to be my livelihood, and this is what I want to do. So I'm going to put a hundred and ten. 150% into trying to make it successful because this is it. Yeah. And uh, that's the millennials mindset. It's not, Hey, I'm lazy and just give me something. It's, yeah. I don't, I want opportunity. And the only opportunity I can get is borrowing the money from you. And that's one op- opportunity, but the bank's going to want so much collateral and the way if I can get that collateral is go to my parents. And that's kind of what you're seeing now. I think you nailed it 100%. If you're in franchise development, if you're excluding people based yeah. on age, I think you're missing a huge part of the motivated population. And I think it's exactly opposite of what you just said. I think before it was the parents going to the kids <laughs> yeah. on the couch and saying, please go do something please. with your life. And that makes sense why those franchisees 20 years ago didn't work yeah. out Are the, if the parents were buying it for the kids. Now yeah. I think it's the kids going to the parents, dragging them. Look, yes. look, I've, I've studied this. I've been, I've been managing this type of store for five years. Exactly. I know I can do it. I'm looking at the numbers that the people I'm working for are making. Yeah. Invest in me. Let's build an asset yeah. for our family. Hey, I, you know, when I went to my first location for uh, Delta Life Fitness, I went to my dad and borrowed the money to build the first location, not for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not a... Yeah. Um, I mean, I did it. I yeah. mean, I think it's just an option. Our parents worked. That generation worked and invested, and they got a lot of money set in retirement. And we look at that life and say, hey, that's great. But it's not realistic for but it's people not, in our age group. It's not realistic, and it's not what I want. So, um, <laughs> I, 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 can, I can tell you, we've got a couple of, and I won't name any names or anything, but I, I can tell you, we've got a couple of uh, franchisees in the Delta Life yes. Business System that match this. They were hardworking millennials that went and got backed by their family and, mm-hmm. and believed in them. And I got to tell you, they're some of the best franchisees we have in the entire system. Oh, absolutely. And they're, they're, they're not lazy. They're not, what, what do they say about millennials? millennials we're lazy. Yes. We're, we're no attention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, they they come to work. They work hard. They follow what they need to do to be successful. We can't complain. I can tell you the one I'm thinking of in my head. I mean, workhorse. You exactly. Know? Uh, so I, I, don't know, I think you leave it all on the table. So that brings me to uh, one of the stories we just recently heard. Uh, is this this kid, because that's what he is, a kid in Houston, Texas. Uh, at 22 years old, he was delivering sandwiches. He wanted to own a Sonic. 
uh, and they told him, hey, you know, you don't you don't have the money, you don't have the experience, mm-hmm. you're too young, you're a millennial. So he went and worked his way up. Ma- I love these kind of stories because it's American yeah. dream, right? Worked his way up, became a manager in a Sonic. And then he basically said that his reputation, how good he was performing, got him the funding. It even it even got the banks to trust him. Today, he owns over 50 Sonics here in Houston. He's 31 years old. He's the number one largest Sonic franchisee in their system with over 50 in Houston at 31 yeah. years old. And they said that this kid is an amazing operator. He works his butt off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're in franchise development and you're excluding people based on just age, I think you're, I think you're missing a big pool of great operators. Well, and also if you're a young man or woman right now looking into franchising, unless you have the experience going to one of these more established brands is going to be difficult. Luckily for you, like you said, the numbers up here, there's going to be so many more new franchise concepts as long as you do your homework and understand what you're doing, go find you a um, somebody to help you there if you're young. But you have a good opportunity to come in with a young brand because you're probably more entrepreneurial, newer than, say, I want to go in and just follow the system. You want to kind of go in and help create. These young brands will give you that opportunity. And I think that's what this guy did. Went, and, went into a younger brand, proved his worth, was patient, and then was able to flip that into Sonics. And now, what do you say? He's the number one Sonic owner in the system? That's at, impressive. At 31, <laughs> at, a, at a brand that's been around for that long, that's, that is impressive. But mm-hmm. I think the key there is work your way up, be patient, show that yeah. you can do it. Yeah. If you, if you want to get to a more established no, you're right. brand. You're right. And, and he, yeah, you're absolutely right. Get into a younger exactly. brand that'll take a chance on you, prove yourself out. And he, he said, he said his track record is 100% the thing that gave him access to the funding. Yeah. I mean, because you're going to have to build your wealth. You're going to have to build your, hey, we can, I can do this. Because, I mean, it's big for a brand to come in and, and take somebody. I understand. No, yeah. You're coming in, you're going to be one of our stores, and you're, we have to own those numbers. So if you can have a track record of even running a store, you, a lot, Chick-fil-A does it. You go manage a Chick-fil-A. You, you do that stuff where you can prove that you can do the job. You show up and you can, you know, <laughs> the yeah. minimum requirements, but also you excel. Yeah. That's what these older brands, more established brands are wanting to see, where maybe a younger brand will take more of a chance. So on the, on the flip side, I mean, one of the things for franchise development has done for years. And franchise development is your guys in each system that's screening the new people that they're going to award franchises to. Two things that they ha- they say they won't waste time with or has been tradition for the last, what, 50 years? Yeah. They won't waste time with people that are too young or people that don't have enough money. And you're seeing – I, th- I think you're seeing the, the – the trends change because of that. Hey, there was only two, there was only two thousand offerings fifteen years ago. Now there's forty four hundred. Ten years from now, there's going to be ten thousand franchise offerings. That's insane. You know, ten thousand. There's two new franchise concepts that hit the market each day right now. <laughs> two, yeah. Two new concepts hit the mm. hit the market right now. So I think with that, you can't disclude people. And when you have that old school form that tells people to fill out your net worth and your liquidity. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, five years ago, who could have filled that out, honestly? Like, your net worth and your liquidity. Do you, do you, <laughs> do you know yourself off the top of your head? So we were discluding people too early. And what they said was people who have money weren't disclosing it. People who didn't have any money were putting they have a million dollars because they yeah. don't know the difference in what net worth and liquidity. I've seen I've seen liquidity be higher than the net worth, <laughs> on a, on a, yeah. which is a neat trick. <laughs> like, it's interesting. Uh, so anyway, uh, it's just, you know, I think that I think there's no point in I think franchise good franchise systems have to join people, really anybody and everybody, on a journey to yeah. see if this life is going to be the right one for them. And you can't just and, – and like, we're in the business – we're not in the business of just selling whoever we can sell. Like, 
it should be trying to grow your brand and do awesome things with people that you yeah. enjoy and are a good fit for your brand. And I think part of that, you you said it, the the millennials that are trying to get into a franchise system, they have to be patient, but so does the franchisors. Exactly. You've got to be patient with people and know that you may be building relationships and talking to people for six months or a year before they go find the money or convince their parents that mm-hmm. this is what they want to do. Um, I mean, there's been one of the franchisees we just signed a couple weeks ago. We've been working with her for, no kidding, I think almost three years now. I mean, yeah. it's a journey and it's relationships, and that's yeah. what it is. And that's what's going to make franchising continue to grow. Because uh, going into franchising, I mean, I say it all the time, there's nothing more American than franchising. In fact, this kid that, uh, this kid that took over a lot of these Sonics, 30-something of the Sonics that he took over, was he got to go in and buy 30 at once. Did you read about that? Mm-mm. Because Sonic is trying to decommission their uh, corporate-owned stores and make them all franchise mm-hmm. because their franchise stores are way outperforming their corporate stores. Yeah, I believe it. I love the franchising model of the corporate model. I just, don't, I just don't see how you can find a better model than somebody buying into your brand and then going and delivering your product and owning that for themselves. I got, Hard to beat that. Uh, uh, Cindy Ferguson is, is listening right now. You, you guys uh, did some of their SBA funding for... Uh, their unit, but their are new, new Delta Life Fitness open on 1488. Say we own that as a corporate store and we have a manager in there. Mm-hmm. Is half of the stuff and the love that's getting poured into those members, is that going to happen with an hourly paid manager? It just can't. <laughs> I mean, it, if it does, you found a unicorn, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cindy's going to love on that gym and treat, and she's going to have ownership in that in the way that a manager never will. I just, I just believe in franchising. I just think the model makes sense when you have, and it's just like you have different people, but, but Cindy now can focus 100% of her time and efforts on loving her members and executing operations oh, yeah. and doing things. Mm-hmm. And she's not having to worry about what the industry is doing, what's coming down the pipeline, how do I upgrade my CRM, like, She's got a, she's got a back office that's working on that stuff for yeah. her, integrating the softwares, continuing to work on that. Imagine we we listened to an Orange Theory franchisee say the same thing one time. He was like, "Man, I I, I love being in a franchise because yeah. I can operate, and I've got somebody else thinking about all that other <laughs> stuff." He said, "My other business buddies that didn't want to go into the franchise route, they do everything I do throughout the day, and then when they get home from then until two a.m., they do everything my headquarters does for me." You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> Which is so I just I'm a big fan of franchising. I just think it's there's nothing more American. Economically it makes sense. You gotta find the right one. Yeah. yeah. Why, why, so why, so why, so where does franchising go wrong? How does it go wrong? If, if franchising is great and it is this most American thing ever and it's awesome, how come there's so many horror stories? Where does franchising go wrong? I mean, I got a couple opinions there. I think sometimes the franchise or puts themselves in a bad position where they have to just take everybody mm-hmm. and they not a good culture fit for that business or a good culture fit for the product they're delivering. Um, that's, that's one. People come in with the wrong mindset sometimes of franchising, saying it's done for me. Uh, if I think franchising is, is really a done-with-you business, uh, you're partnering yeah. up with that franchisee and that franchisor, and you're, you're running that business together. Uh, and you have to be on the same page. There's got to be a certain level of respect back and forth. Uh, I mean, I, the list can go on and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, uh, that's the big one. I think the another one is sometimes people franchise a model that the unique economics don't make sense. Yeah. And if if you're the founder of the company or the co-founder of the company and you're running the business and you can't make money, stop back. Don't don't <laughs> I think yeah. people see franchising as a growth to that business they have. It's really a separate business. So they need to fix that business they have and quit. Don't think franchising as a as a short-term play, it's a long-term play of the business that you have if the unique economics makes sense. Very long term. Exactly. So you have to, if you're going to franchise your business, you have to turn in and make sure the unique economics make sense for that unit. And sometimes, and I'm not saying all are, but sometimes that happens. And 
you know, it puts a damper on the industry. So how many, uh, let me ask this question. If franchising is going to continue to grow, if it's already doubled in the last 10 to 15 years and it's going to double again the next 10, we talk about this all the time, but like when industries grow this fast, there's a lot of sub industries that are created. Like how many real estate agents do we all know? Yeah. Freaking billion. Yeah. You know, how many franchise brokers do you know? How many franchise consultants do you know? Not nearly, not not as not as yeah. many as I do real estate agents, right? Oh, absolutely. With the if, if franchising just hit forty four hundred offerings in the United States and it's going to ten thousand, what new industries are coming? Like wh- like what what are we going to see a uh, a big explosion of? Because you got to have the supporting agencies. Yeah, I mean, well, being a franchisor, where do we struggle at, or not struggle, but going in as a new franchisor, where do you need help at? And I think one, there's going to be a lot more space with the onboarding or building out. Uh, that front end layer of how do I protect you from the leads? And what I mean is how do like a franchise broker, I guess you can say that's going to grow up and then marketing and how do I get new leads? Cause obviously going into Facebook and all that, that's very, um, you know, the consumer based, how do I get to the consumer, but how do I reach that guy? So obviously social media or marketing experts that built around franchising and you've seen it in all industries as they grow. We've seen it in fitness. Me and you started really early on in the fitness boom. And then how many experts come out of that? that, you know, was running a gym, sold their gym and said, you know what, I'd rather just coach somebody from uh, running a gym and then actually run a gym. I'm not right or wrong. I'm not saying. For the record, we survived that on the fitness side. Let's knock on wood and hope we survive it on the franchise. (laughs) No, absolutely. you see Robbie and I in franchise consultants six months from now, you heard it here first. And and we know what we're talking about, so. (laughs) But uh, I mean, how many people we actually seen in the fitness industry? So what we've seen similar in the fitness industry happen, Josh, is is what's going to happen in the franchise world. I, you know, I mean, no, we I lived it. We right. lived it. Social media right. experts, uh, you know, gym experts go to franchise yeah. experts. Just things like that. I, I've never I've never taken a step back and looked at these numbers and realized how not scary, but just really had a good pulse on the franchise industry. And I mean, when you listen to everything right now, IFA is growing it. IFA is the International Franchise Association. It's growing at astronomical rates. When you look at millennials, 72% of them likely to start a business. Business has a natural evolution. You know, it, it goes through cash, growth, and then scale. And when you get to yeah. scale, you can either go corporate or you can go franchise. A lot of them are going to choose franchise. Yeah, if the majority you... of this generation is going to be entrepreneurs, franchising is about to explode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exciting. It's exciting. Uh, I think you're right. We got to stay in front of it because there's going to be right now. How how many of us get bombarded with franchise offering ads on Facebook right now? I I don't see. I see. I see two of the people that like I really follow pretty hardcore. You know who really did it good? Burger, I think it's Burger Rim or Burger I am. Burger I am. I don't know how you say it. So if you if anybody knows how to say it, please share it with us. But uh, man, I, I. I've seen them ads. I've seen their ads on Facebook for a while. For a while, and, and then, then now they're popping up everywhere. Everywhere, you know. Hey, so whoever that guy is, <laughs> hey, congratulations! You did an excellent job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I think we're gonna kick it over to a break here. We'll be right back with our man Sean Duffy. We're gonna dive into funding options. Hang on tight. We'll be right back. In the local Texas market, time to get us educated. and Josh going live. A Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936 647 
888-357-3776 to take your first step into the radio world. Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Margie Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit IRLoneStar.com slash Conroe Culture. An estimated 1 in 10 births will result in a neonatal intensive care stay, also known as the NICU. Overnight, a family can find themselves and their newborn baby in a critical situation. The Mila Foundation financially and spiritually assists families in need. If you would like to volunteer or become a monthly sponsor, please visit us at www.themilafoundation.org. Again, that's www.themilafoundation.org because every life matters. Best in franchises, we going full throttle. Learn about the industry. I know you got the questions. We're trying to help you grow and take it to the next level. Straight up, franchise operators okay. and the experts. It's time to tune in. All right, welcome back, guys. Hey, we're going to dive in. I'm going to introduce you guys to Sean here in just a second. We're going to talk about franchise funding options. Um, hey, a couple of things for you guys, because I, I, I know the majority of the people that are going to listen to the show are going to be interested in escaping the corporate world and getting into a business for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, that, that it's alluring. And I know why we all want it. The work-life balance, living on your own terms, building an asset for yourself. The ability that if you figure out how to operate something, you can you can do what the Sonic kid did. I mean, you know, he ran one, one store and now he owns 50-something. I mean, mm-hmm. if you just some simple math here. Uh, all you gotta do is profit two grand a month on one of those bad boys. You're making a hundred grand a month. Like, <laughs> yeah, economies of scale works all day, but you do have to have the funding options to get into the first one. Hey, a couple of things, a uh, couple of things came up on the break here that I want to mention. Some, some of these, uh, th- these are things that the consumers need to know as franchising grows. You, you have to be careful when you get into uh, brands. And here, here's a couple of. I'm just gonna give you three things that I would personally tell you to look for. One. No brand in the world is the right brand for everybody, right? Like it has to be the right fit mm-hmm. for you and your skill sets. Please do not get mesmerized by an item 19, which is the financial disclosures. Please do not get mesmerized by the discovery day of going down and getting caught up in the lights and, you know, the, the flash. You have to be able to see yourself running that business and being able to do the things that, the top people in that system, whatever makes them successful, you've got to be able to do those yeah. things or you're not going to be successful. It could be the best brand in the world, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I could run the heck out of an Orange Theory Fitness. I could not run a McDonald's. I know that about myself, yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. So you have to know that. The next thing is um, getting into one that's too young, uh, that I'm talking like less than five units. That's not bad either if you understand what you're getting into and you have a good, open, yeah. honest conversation with the franchisor about what they have, what the vision is. If you do get in with a young one, make sure you like the people. Make yes. sure you under, make sure you like the founders. Make sure you think they have a good uh, vision on the future. Because I can tell you, when your unit hits, when you hit twenty units, it's not going to look anything like what you're running right now. And yep. you just and, and that's okay. It's going to yeah. grow. It's going to evolve. But it's not going to look like what it does at five. I promise you. Make sure you like the people and you can get on board with them. Last thing, if you find a brand that has one to three open and 400 sold, just do some heavy digging there. Don't just, and I'm just going to say, don't just trust the item 19. Mm -hmm. What you can do if you're, if you're a corporate, if I, if I'm running a business myself, 
I can run a hundred grand into marketing <laughs> into a company, make it take off two years later, showing out of 19 for how well it did. But it's not fair because I spent a hundred grand on marketing. Whereas I'm only asking you to spend 10 grand on marketing. Yeah. Grand opening. You mm -hmm. have to, you have to, so go in. If you're looking at a brand that's got one to two open and they call, you know, this crazy FOMO fear missing out train and they've got 10,000 sold with two open. <laughs> They've got a big road ahead of them. Yeah. Make sure it's growing at a, at a, at a safe pace. Yeah, because right? like, if you outsell your team, you'll, the wheels will fall off. The wheels will fall off. Yeah, I mean, there's no – I talked to one guy. He sold 500 units in three years. And he's like, well, we didn't make it. I don't imagine. <laughs> like, I mean, how do you service that? <laughs> I mean, oh, my God. You know, and you, I mean, nice guy. And but. that's not to say that over a decade period, these brands can't have astronomical growth. Look at Orange Theory. Orange Theory, exactly. in my opinion, did it right. Orange oh, yeah. Theory went, you know, three, 12, 24, mm -hmm. 56, 78, 200, 500, 1,000. Yeah. Like if you, if you hit the hockey stick right and build the systems along the way, just what I would recommend. Like, but there's a lot of them out there that are too open, 200 sold. That would scare the crap out of me. That scares bankers too. Personally. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, all right. Speaking of bankers, Sean Duffy, <laughs> welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, Sean, buddy. tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. And Spirit uh, of Texas Bank. Well, I've been with the bank for five to six years now. Uh, I went to school in Huntsville at SAM for marketing, and I thought when I, gr what grew up, I, thought when I graduated, I was going to be like Don Draper, you know, like <laughs> drinking like scotch and coming up with ad campaigns for Coke. <laughs> And the reality is, is when you graduate with a marketing degree, uh, the people calling you are Cutco Knives yeah. and Vector Marketing, which <laughs> I'm not saying that's not, not the right thing for everybody, but it's not the right thing for me. And uh, so I, I worked at the school for a little while. I met a girl who was way too pretty for me and thought I needed to get my act together because at the time I was happy to just make a little bit of money, play video games with my friends. Well, you're fitting good with me and Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I met this girl who has inspired me to make more of myself and uh, got the opportunity to go work at the bank on the ground level in uh, basically data entry in the credit department, which basically is literally data entry into a piece of software, then you generate it and send it up the pipeline. But it's a really, really good place to grow. And when you're in that, that environment, you either take one of two branches. Number one is you stay in that the credit world forever and you work in the credit cave and you just stay behind the scenes and do numbers all day long, which is really important and I respect the people that do it, but it's, I find it to be really boring and not very fulfilling. And number two is you go into the lending side and you either go into your conventional financing or you go into your SBA financing. There's a lot of really good conventional lenders. There's a lot of really good SBA lenders. And just like being a franchisee, you need to have the right personality to match what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, my wife, when I met her, was a small business owner. And number one, she's like super hot. But number two, her entrepreneurial spirit was really what I found to be very attractive. So to be able to sort of marry my career with what I found exciting about individuals that I know and respect was a really cool opportunity. Yeah. So stepping into the SBA world is when I get to start working with franchisees all over the nation, small business owners that are non-franchise if they're in the Houston, Dallas markets, and uh, meeting franchisors like you guys and really having the opportunity to build something really, really cool. So you do franchise lending nationwide, but SBA lending, if it's non-franchise, just in a local market? That's correct. Makes sense. So, uh, so talk to me right now. Okay. So we're, we're you know, we, we just, we just looked at the statistics, millennials, right? I'm your average 32 year old millennial, right? I went to school got my degree, been working a job. I've saved up a little bit of cash. I got 60,000 cash on hand. Mm -hmm. I got a little bit of a 401k wrapped up. Parents have money. Mm -hmm. uh, and I start getting burnout 
I've been working in the credit credit cave for the <laughs> for the last eight years. Yeah, I'm starting to get burnt out. And I'm looking for something else to do. Right. Um, what's the first steps for someone in those shoes to start looking at? You know, I, I want to start investigating some franchises, and may, maybe we're past that because I, I know the first steps there. But now they're starting to look at some item sevens, mm-hmm. which, if for those of you that don't know, an item seven uh, in franchising, what camera are we on? We right here. An uh, item seven. It's just a, a list of all the expenses that it takes to open uh, a franchise. And the Federal Trade Commission regulates this. Mm-hmm. They're very specific on things we got to put in here. We got to have, you know, three months employee salaries, three months utilities costs, three months rent, additional funds for three months, mm-hmm. like plus every penny we would have to invest to open this mm-hmm. business and have some operating capital when we do open. So I'm looking at these. I've got a couple. I'm investigating a few different brands. I've got some item sevens. Mm-hmm. They're a lot bigger than my sixty thousand that I know I got in my bank account, right? right? Uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at brands from two hundred thousand total startup to six hundred thousand total startup. Where do I start? Okay, uh, number one, the the biggest barrier to entry for somebody looking for financing is usually the equity, and that's the cash that you can kick into the deal before the bank's money comes in to help you get started. The metric for the equity portion that I've seen, and this is just me speaking about my bank, is between thirty to twenty percent down. It might be more if it's like a we're doing the very, very first unit of a franchise, mm-hmm. but if it's a more seasoned brand that's been out there, somewhere between 20 to 30% down. And that's on the overall cost. And the other thing to, to consider, you know, that's usually what keeps people that might have $50,000 in the bank from being able to get financing, which I know the argument is, well, I have a job. I'm going to continue to work. But, okay, what if you lose your job? Or what okay. if somebody has a medical emergency or something? And what if me, the banker, helped you put every last penny that you earned over the last 10 years into something that failed, and now you have nothing. The franchisor takes a loss, the bank takes a loss, the person takes a loss. So we really try to be uh, conservative there. Uh, you know, the other piece is on the, you know, the equity side. Let's say you have just enough to make your equity injection. Well, you know, same deal. It, I'd really like it if I didn't have every single penny that you had in cash go into the deal right, right away. Which, you know, for people that are saving up a little bit of money, have a good income, but don't have the capital, usually the the way to do that is to bring on an additional pair of guarantors, which maybe is your parents, maybe it's a business partner, something like that. But it's another source of uh, cash or capital. And sometimes if the equity, if they have enough equity themselves, but it's just enough, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes bringing the parents on is literally just a signature. Well, yeah, I mean, it, they're coming on as guarantors. Mm-hmm. It, it basically it can, be, it can be both. Like, does the parents always have to actually give cash, or sometimes? No, no, no. no. If they're willing to guarantee the note, yeah. then they don't have to give cash. Um, it is definitely something that gives me the banker more warm fuzzies when I see more people uh, with yeah. more access to capital, yeah, backing up this money. Mm-hmm. You know. So you know, and so I mean, I've I've looked at this, and you know, Hunter's already starting to ask me. I mean, it's funny we talk about the statistics, but he's 15. I'm driving home from high school, and he's wanting me to buy him a. Uh, he's wanting me to buy him a hot dog stand franchise. <laughs> Shout out to Brett with Divine Dogs. But that's what he wants to do this summer. He wants to sell hot dogs instead of having – because he plays football during the school year. He yeah. can't really work during the school year. So he wants to sell hot dogs all summer. Uh, and, you know, so even for people that are for looking at it like that, I mean, should – do they do they go investigate these brands first? Do they try to get some – you know, and, and Robbie, what do you think? I mean, what what's the right steps? Because, I mean, if you if you – I think if you believe in it and you can sell yourself that if you can sell yourself and the others around you that you can do it, you can probably find the money. Yeah. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Uh, 
go find the right brand. And then if you can find the right brand that fits you and what you dream of, then you, if you don't have the money or you don't have the ability, like you don't have the ability to get the loan, then you have to go sell somebody else on your ability to be able to complete that. Then you can find the money. Yeah. I think, I think what I heard a guy said, money's easy to find. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily all the time. Don't get me wrong, but, but it uh, is. It's a barrier to getting your goal. And if you really want that goal, then yeah. it, it, you might not get it tomorrow. Nope, That's where patient exactly. kicks in. Where mm -hmm. You might have to go back to work. You might yeah. have to go find different ways to get it. But if that's what you really want to do, that's you'll find opinion. it. Yeah. I mean, because I, I can, I mean, even even with Hunter, like, hey, if you want it, like, you're going to have to prove to me that you can do this. You know, you may. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go buy a hot dog stand and it's at my garage. <laughs> like, like a lot. Great <laughs> Person have to buy all the hot dogs. Every family get together and bring in the hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but I see too many people do that exactly opposite. They say, "How much cash do I have in the bank?" Okay, seventy thousand. Let's go plug into a franchise filter. I have seventy thousand. What brands are available to me? Yeah. I think that's backwards. Yeah. No, I, absolutely. I think you go find the brand that no. I mean, because so, so now you pinch your way into a brand that's. A mobile carpet cleaning that's just a that's just a van that you can get mm -hmm. into for the seventy percent is going to be more than enough equity to get the funding, uh, and then it just wasn't the one you were good at, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And you lose your money. Like I think if you if you only have seventy, but the brand that you could do really well is going to require you to find one hundred and fifty. I say you find the brand that works for you. I mean, you can't you can't go from seventy to two million. I get sure. that, but yeah. if, if it's between fifty and two hundred thousand, and you're fluctuating in there. I would say find the brand that you feel like this is the one that was built for me. I could crush this. Then you find the money, not the other way around. I think yeah, the story sure. of the guy with the Sonics is a perfect story. He wanted a Sonic, <coughs> explored it, got on there with the uh, uh, franchise development team with Sonic, and they explained to him, hey, you're not ready for Sonic, but you need to go find a brand that's close to Sonic, purchase those brands. I think, it's just, I think this is a story I'm thinking of. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, work in their system for a while, then once you get – Prove yourself. You can go into this system. So I think finding the brand that you want, hey, I want to own a McDonald's. That's great. But maybe you don't have the track record to own a McDonald's. What's that next What's that next tier? No, it's good. And that's where you find, that's where you go. I want to, orange, I want to own an Orange Theory. That's where you're going to find a lot of the fitness industry is going to go to Orange Theory. They, they're the pioneers. They took the arrows. People are going to go, I want an Orange Theory. Well, it's sold out in North America. Okay, so what's that next level? Yeah. And that's where that that's where that's growth going to go in that yeah. boutique system. And I yep. think every industry you can go, there's going to be a leader that everybody's going to say, hey. That's the one I want. That's mm -hmm. the one I want. Well, go prove yourself in this system. Exactly. And and maybe you can get there, yeah. but not right now. And yeah. that's where the patience is going to kick in. That that's might be a good taking point. a chance. You can go take a chance on a smaller brand and then eventually be able to buy a whole area of development of a bigger brand once exactly. you have a track record. But, and then also do your research on that smaller brand go meet the people make sure that you are in love with the product that you you yeah. want you want to be a part of it sean we know trying to open one you can either you can cash it i yep. either got the cash i can go find people to give me the cash i can traditional loan it or i can sba loan it yeah um do you see any do you see any regulations or slowdown? i mean right now it seems like sba lending is flowing pretty nicely do you see anything slowing down you know my uh my application pipeline has not slowed down at all um, I, that's applications coming in to me, but for but money being able to go out. Are the banks like, hey, we got to tighten up, we got to well, lend less? Is I, there our interest rates got to go up to cover the risk? How does that work? So you know the banks don't control the rate with the SBA uh, financing. It's usually a floating rate set over the prime rate, which is controlled by the Fed. Yeah, don't talk too much about that. Don't stump the chump. Okay, <laughs> uh, got it. I was so worried stump the chump was going to be about football. Uh, so he knows better than that. <laughs> I mean. I, but, you know, I mean, one thing you'll see is that there's, you know, 
10 million brands or whatever that are expanding and growing. Well, that gets really scary for banks too, because how do we know what's a good brand? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when there's that much out there and I have an application every day from a franchise I've never heard of, yeah. I don't even know how to approach that. That makes sense. So yeah, I think there's a slowdown there and the, the, the banks are tightening up equity requirements on newer brands because, you know, when you don't know them from this guy or this guy or this guy, well, why don't we hedge our bets a little bit and prove that this guy's got more skin in the game than we ordinarily would require if we didn't know them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And is that why, like, we see things with, like, the SBA franchise registry? That was never a thing for us before. All of a sudden, January 1st of last year, yep. they come out and say, if you're going to be yeah. a franchise and offer SBA funding, you have to be registered on the SBA franchise well, registry. Because it's so easy for you to call yourself a franchise. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to meet the FTC's definition, but okay. that's a pretty wide definition. Yeah. yeah. So they want to screen it and make sure you're yeah. actually... Exactly. And, you know, I mean, an SBA loan is a 10-year commitment. So, I mean, a franchise agreement is a, a really long commitment as well. Yes. So... You know, we want to make sure that these people that are the good ones. on board, yeah. the good ones. There are some that are two hopping or three. on board. All right. Uh, I think we got to head off to commercial. We'll be right back. We'll wrap up that thought in just a second. Sean Duffy. Thanks, man. Is there someone you know who is hooked on vintage aircraft? Follow the commemorative Air Force and its fleet of World War II planes, including the mighty B-17 Flying Fortress Texas Raiders which is based in Conroe, Texas. Texas Raiders tours locally and all around the United States, offering the public a chance to put their hands on aviation history. What could be a more perfect gift than a flight on a historic B-17? Taking to the sky on the iconic bomber is an experience that will never be forgotten. For the touring schedule, reservations, or more information, go to b17texasraiders.org or call 855-FLY-A-B-17. Hispanic Chamber Connections with Dr. Carlos Sanchez, president of the Woodlands-Conroe Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, featuring event announcements, member highlights, and more. Tuesdays at 1 p.m., broadcasting from the heart of Conroe, Texas, on IRLoneStar.com and Conroe's FM 104.5-106.1. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app for your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's community radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That is Conroe's FM 104.5-106.1. It's time to tune in and expand your network. So let's see how it's all done and how it's operated. In the local Texas market, time to get us educated. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I want to wrap up on the SBA funding. SBA funding is a small business administration. Uh, if you can find banks that are good, I mean, there's a lot of paperwork that you have to go through to mm-hmm. get a small business loan, mm-hmm. but, it's, it, but it makes you do your due diligence. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're going to be looking at things like, What's your project cost summary? What's your 36-month projections? We need a business plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really want to take that. That item seven is great. You yeah. know, the the estimated cost of opening. But they want an actual project cost summary, some actual projections of what you think the business is going to do. Even better if you can back it up with some historical data, a business plan that details the industry. And really, the business plan is how are you going to effectively hit your 36-month projections. What yeah. makes what makes you specifically uniquely qualified to hit those 36-month projections? Have you done your research? Uh, some pros and benefits. I know I know you said there's some pros to traditional lending versus SBA. I know there's pros to both. Yeah. Can you hit on those quickly? Sure. Yeah. I mean, traditional financing usually has lower rates, fixed rates. Uh, maybe it's a little more uh, competitive, so to speak. But the challenge with that is that you're not 
you're probably not going to find a lot of banks out there that want to give you a, a fixed rate loan for your new, <coughs> new startup. Mm-hmm. So the SBA loan, what it does for the bank and why pe- banks want to do SBA loans and why you want to go for an SBA loan is the SBA will guarantee that money for the bank up to a certain percentage. So we're already getting more comfortable in sort of a speculative uh, investment because we view our borrowers as investments in their future, you know. Uh, so that's why it's priced a little higher because it's a little bit riskier. But if you can find conventional financing, more power to you. If like if you're a somebody who's proven you can run 31 Sonics and you want to do 32, I'm willing to bet there's a bank out there that'll give you conventional financing for 32. Mm-hmm. Now, now you've got assets to bet against it. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you just got it's the past performance is the best indicator of future success. Okay. So if you have a track record, that speaks volumes for you. So SBA may be the best option. Because we looked, when you're first starting, though, traditional is almost non-existent. We tried. Yeah, no, yeah, we tried. It's non-existent. It's, yeah. There's not a lot of banks that will do that. SBA is a really, really good option for first unit, second unit, third unit. And really, as much as you want to do it until you decide that, uh, you know, I want to explore the conventional route. Okay. But even then, there's no guarantees that banks out there are really going to want to do that. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of financing, let's hop into the favorite part of the show. All right. It is Stump the Chump. We got Rob versus Sean today and Stump the Chump. The rules, I'm going to ask each of you four questions. You'll get one point for each question you answer correctly. Uh, if you don't know the answer, the other participant will get a chance to answer that question. Uh, and then if it's a tie, we have a tiebreaker. The winner okay. will get all the bragging rights. And, uh, yeah, are we ready? Here we yeah. go. This Hit is, me. This is super important. Uh, we always started off with a couple of really easy questions, Sean, just to warm us up. Uh, so, Sean, what bank in Houston has funded the most Delta Life Fitness Studios to date? Oh, man. Uh, it's got to be Spirit of Texas Bank. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, you guys are... Uh... I'm going to get an easy one like that, too. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a warm-up. It's a warm-up round. Uh, Robbie, uh, which famous battle was fought in the year 1066? 1066. Yes, sir. Mm. Pretty famous battle. Should be an easy one. Uh, I have no idea. It's the battle. Do you know? Uh. <laughs> it's the battle of Hastings. Hastings. Oh, obviously. <clears throat> you almost got yourself in trouble. I've been watching uh, a Rome <laughs> Rome documentary for the last three days. So No, when I picked that, I was like, there's a chance he gets this right. <laughs> uh, all right, Sean. Now we're going to kick it up a notch. Uh, right. Just curious if you know this one. How many banks are in the United States? How many banks? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. A lot of banks. So give me a guess. All right, you want to do prices right rules? Yep, that's, that's the way we do it. Okay. Uh, you go first. <laughs> Dude said you go first. It's your question, man. <laughs> I Honestly, I have no frame of reference. 250,000. 250,000. Way too many. I'm going to do 150,000. You should have done 250,000. It is, um, according to the FDIC, there were 6,799 FDIC insured commercial banks in the United States. So, how many? So, 6,800. 6,800? Yeah. We were way off. I I mean, I'm just throwing numbers out there because I had no frame of reference. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well. I mean, you think, I mean, well, you, you 150. 150. Uh, Robbie I mean, was closest without going over. I mean, there's only 50,000 McDonald's in the whole world. <laughs> so, <laughs> buddy. I, well, I didn't know if you're, what, what do you classify as a bank check? Plus, cash in place? Like, you know, it just exactly. holds cash. There's like, a, some guy who's hard yeah. money lending. I mean, my mattress can be a bank at times. Uh, so. Robbie's sick, and I'm trying all to right, help all right, him. Here we go. Uh, Robbie, unfortunately, has one point. Oh, this is not uh, going to go good. Sean, don't let me down here. All right, well. I'm hoping you ask a question that... uh, Robbie, franchising is dictated by designated marketing areas. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's how they're broken up. 
uh, here in the U.S., how many major markets are there in the U.S.? How many designated marketing areas are there in the United States? Uh, 105. Sean, what would you think? How many major markets in the U.S.? No, I have zero reference on that. So. 104. Oh, are you kidding? This one? Did you say 106? No. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> This is Robbie's gonna win. Wait, how many was it? <laughs> Sean, you're gonna be fired. <laughs> Never welcome to come back. <laughs> how many was it? There are 210. Oh man, uh, we were way off. Major markets in the United States. I went, Sean, I went too low. I went too low for him. It kind of. Sean, it was two. It right. was it was 210 in the U.S. How many DMAs, designated marketing areas, are in Canada? Jesus. <laughs> in Canada, uh, 100. Out of the out of the 53 DMAs in Canada, how many are there? 53. Is that what you said? I think so. Okay, Robbie. Right. <laughs> I'm guessing the answer was uh, 53, so I'll go. Uh, now I kind of want to ask. We're can, you, can you ask me about football? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it comes out with DMA questions and how many banks are in America. So it's important oh to know for franchisors how many, how many major markets are in the United States. And they rank them, too, by the way. I didn't know this. They're ranked 1 through 210 oh, really? in the United States. What's the best market yeah. and what's the last market? And to that end, Robbie, New York is the number one DMA. Okay? New York is the number one. Mm -hmm. What number DMA on that ranking of 1 through uh, 210 is Houston? That's got to be top 10, so... Say six. What do you think? Five. Dude. Chicago, Los yeah, Angeles. Not, New York. Not, not seven? Seven. Not, I think seven. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh, man. I, could, I was one off. <laughs> it was seven. Now, Houston is number seven. So. Did you really think I was going to know how many banks there were? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, so, so New York is number one, then LA, then Chicago. So mm -hmm. shout out to Alicia and John. We're, we're negotiating some, that's, uh, three and a deal three. up in Chicago right now. Uh, then you got Philadelphia, Dallas, uh, oh. Washington, DC, Houston, San Francisco at number eight, Boston at nine and Atlanta at 10. Hmm. DC is surprising. Yeah. yeah. DC is surprising. Oh, uh, have you ever been there? I mean, that metropolitan area is Yeah, but I wouldn't booming. want to do business. I wouldn't want to do business there. No, I, but, yeah, but, but there is a lot <laughs> no, of No, there is a lot of people. Had. Yes. Uh, no, there is a lot of people there. There. Okay, Sean, now you should know this one. Oh, what is the current prime interest rate? That'll be five and a half percent. <laughs> Robbie, you want to take a guess at that? I think that's right. That is correct. What's the score? Uh, Sean, tied? three to Robbie, two. <laughs> oh, no. All right, this is, this is for the... Uh... Uh, Robbie, what is the current federal funds rate? Man, I was hoping you are going to ask me who was the... Uh... I ain't asking you nothing about the treasury. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, the federal fund rate? What rate? is the current federal fund rate? Three and a half percent. Do you know what it is? It's somewhere in the threes. You don't know what it is? Nobody gets that point? Three point seven. It's 2.5. Mm. Oh. So Sean oh. wins, but I'll oh, tell you the tiebreaker. Uh, Sean squeaked it out three to two. I'm not sure how you get three to two with eight questions, but that was the final <laughs> score. Uh, the tiebreaker is how is the prime interest rate calculated? Do you guys know? How is prime interest rate calculated? I'm sure calculated like a lot of other things in the, the banking industry. Nobody knows. Well, the there's no way to know what the federal fund rate is, but the prime interest rate is whatever the federal fund rate is plus 3%. There you go. 
So that the makes sense. so the federal fund you know rate right now the federal fund you know rate now, huh? yeah. the federal fund rate right now is two point five, which is actually kind of high. They said usually it stays between like one and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now it's two point five. You add three to that. That's how we get the prime interest rate of five point five. I was hoping you're going to ask me who was the head of the SBA. Who was the head of the SBA? Linda McMahon. None, no. <laughs> It's she, not no more? She resigned. Oh, did she? Oh, <laughs> man, I didn't, I didn't catch that. Well, good thing you didn't ask me. I was, I was waiting for that one. Uh, how much time we got? We got a couple minutes left? Or are we wrapping resigned. up? Three minutes. We got three minutes. Week, hey, I want to thank everybody uh, for listening to Texas Franchise Radio. We talked a lot about, uh, one, just the franchise industry and the crazy growth of where we're heading and the new franchise buyer. It's not your baby boomers anymore. And that was a small percentage of adult humans to begin with. It's mostly Gen X and millennials mm-hmm. funding. There's lots of funding options out there right now. If you find the brand and you know that's your dream life, I promise you it is easier to find the funding to open a franchise than it is to find out how to pay for a four-year degree. It just is. Mm-hmm. It's easier to find out how to go into the franchise you want than it is to find how you're going to go get a four-year degree. Mm-hmm. Franchising's got a bright future ahead of it. Sean Duffy, thank you for coming down from Spirit of Texas Bank. Yeah, of course. Thank you for everything you do for franchising. Thank you for everything you do for Delta Life Fitness. There's several studios that are open today that would not be possible without Spirit of Texas. You guys make the SBA can be a little bit of a struggle. You guys work with your lenders hand in hand to really make sure that process goes as smooth as it possibly could. Well, I appreciate it. You're very responsive. You guys do amazing things. I'd recommend you guys to anyone. Uh, shout out to your new BNI group. What's the name of them? Business Crossroads. Business Crossroads mm-hmm. with Shane Clardy. Welcome down there. And I want to w- invite everybody this Friday from 11 to 2 at our newest uh, newest Delta Life and 1488 Delta Life Fitness Magnolia. We're doing a discovery day. If you think that a women's fitness franchise that has that caters to women has 30-minute classes and has childcare, if you think that might be a franchise or a business that you're interested in, or if you just want to meet us or learn more about franchising in general, we will be at Delta Life Fitness Magnolia from 11 to two this Friday for a Discover the Brand Day. Come out and join us. Grab free lunch on us. Sean, Robbie, thanks. Yeah, and we'll thank see you guys, you guys all next month. Thank you for listening to Texas Franchise Radio, where we bring on all the local franchise experts. If you liked the show, please share it with your friends. If you have any questions you'd like answered live on the show, send them to at Texas Franchise Radio on Facebook. Till next time. Texas Franchise Radio. You ready? Let's go. Uh, Robbie and Josh going live and it's time to hit the road. You were tuned in to Texas Franchise Radio. Oh, you're in the business. Well, this is what you need. Repping Texas, they professionals up in the industry. What we talking about? We talking business models.